How did Canada lose construction jobs during peak season? The latest StatsCan economic update paints a grim picture when it comes to unemployment in Canada. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's Chief of Staff Katie Telford doubles down after getting fact-checked by X, the platform formerly known as Twitter, after posting about Conservative MPs. A prominent voice among Muslims opposing gender ideology in schools gets subjected to online abuse by progressives. Hello Canada, it's Tuesday, August 8th, and this is True North's Daily Brief. I'm Cosman Georgia. And I'm Andrew Lawton. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. The latest Statistics Canada economic update paints a bleak picture when it comes to unemployment. Canada shed 6,400 jobs in July, and it could have ramifications on upcoming interest rate adjustments by the Bank of Canada. Unemployment grew by 0.1% last month to 5.5%, indicating a three-month consecutive spike in job losses. Some of the group's hardest hit by unemployment were men aged 25 to 54 and men aged 15 to 24. Unemployment was led by the construction industry with a whopping 45,000 jobs lost in July. Construction was followed by losses in public administration and information, culture, and recreation. The latest unemployment news comes as the Bank of Canada raised its key interest rate by 25 basis points to 5%, the highest it's ever been since 2001. Recently, former Bank of Canada Governor David Dodge warned that Canadians should expect higher interest rates well into 2025 should the country reach its inflation targets. So, Andrew, one of the most striking things about this report from Statistics Canada, at least for me, was this huge 45,000 job loss in the construction industry. I mean, here we're at peak season. Uh, Summer is a time we're supposed to be building houses. And Statistics Canada says here we've lost 45,000 jobs this month, but not only that, last month we lost, I think, about over 10,000 jobs in June. Now, the Liberal government has claimed that immigration, record high immigration levels, will solve some of our housing woes by bringing in skilled labor to build these houses, But here we have two consecutive months of job losses in the construction industries. Where are all the immigrant construction workers, Andrew? Well, I don't know. And I I think in general, we've become so accustomed to there being a a labor shortage because we've all seen the service issues in retail and hospitality. But in construction, it's particularly acute. And I would also add that when there is a labor shortage in construction and we have the issues you're just describing there, it balloons into other issues. We are seeing fewer homes being built, fewer commercial uh, investment uh, venues. And, and this is actually a huge problem. And I actually don't know if anyone right now is putting forward a solution to it. Right. And I think it's important to look for solutions. If we can't fill this labor shortage with 
new immigrants because I've looked at the statistics and immigrants generally, you know, go into the service sector, healthcare, construction is one of the industries, but it's it's among the last, at least from the statistics I've seen in 2019, uh, for new immigrants in terms of employment. Where are we falling short? Are we just not approving enough building permits? Uh, is there too much red tape in the way? What is going on? I think, I mean, just on the immigration aspect alone here, the argument we always hear in defense of immigration from the government, which has been dramatically increasing the immigration targets, is that we need it to fill gaps in the labor market. Now, when you have an issue like this and those gaps aren't being filled, I, I think your question earlier is a valid one to the government. Why are we not making sure that we are filling these jobs if this is basically the justification that being used for uh, immigration. And I think in general, when you bring up the training aspect, that's an important thing as well. But I'm not convinced this is a, a training problem here. And I, I would actually take a step back and wonder if a lot of this is that we have no longer been promoting or prioritizing the type of manual labor that's required in the construction sector. And I, I think we've uh, inadvertently or perhaps more explicitly stigmatized this line of work, which is a very important one. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's Chief of Staff Katie Telford has doubled down after she was fact-checked by X, the social media platform formerly known as Twitter, and the platform's community guidelines after she shared an article from The Guardian claiming that Canada has no pro-choice Conservative MPs. Uh, Telford tweeted, quote, Canada has zero pro-choice Conservative MPs, unquote. This claim was quickly labeled false by X's community notes team. The article in the UK outlet The Guardian uh, had only one piece of support for its claim, which was a claim by the Abortion Rights Coalition of Canada, a massive abortion rights lobby group criticizing Bill C-311. As the community note wrote, C-311 is a 78-word bill that does not contain the word abortion. The bill is to protect a woman who is harmed with aggravating circumstances for the purposes of sentencing, but Telford extrapolated that any conservative who supported that bill was not pro-choice. X provided a link to the one-page document summarizing the bill, and CTV News columnist Don Martin even weighed in, retweeting Telford's comments, noting her interpretation of the bill as being misleading. He said, quote, not sure why the Prime Minister's Chief of Staff is retweeting something she knows is misleading at best, but basically false, unquote. Uh, but as mentioned, Telford doubled down. She said after the community note was applied, the article was from a critical publication. It was retweeted prior to her sharing it by many nonpartisan people, and it's based on facts. She said the Conservatives were given a chance to respond and didn't. So I stand by the tweet. Have a great weekend. I, I mean, look, never apologize has become the anthem of the era, except in this case, she was blatantly standing by a very demonstrably false tweet that she issued that she knew was false when she tweeted it. 
Right. And this isn't the first time, you know, a member of the Liberal Party has been fact checked in such a public way by Twitter's or X's rather uh, community notes. We've seen this happen with tweets by Christia Freeland. And now we have Trudeau's chief of staff here putting out something that's blatantly false. And I feel like they do this every couple weeks or every few months. They try to whip up this abortion issue when in fact, especially in this case, it's simply not there. It's not in the bill. It's not the intention of the bill to regulate abortion in any way. This is a criminal justice bill. And also, when you make such a sweeping statement, like there are no pro-choice conservative MPs, all it takes is one to disprove the entire claim. And there were a number of conservative MPs who are very explicitly pro-choice. The pro-life community has been aware of this, that they don't have 100% of the caucus. And when any conservative MP raises their hand and say, "Uh, I'm pro-choice, that instantly shatters the entire claim made by the Abortion Rights Coalition, The Guardian, and Katie Telford. But despite a few tweets from people like Don Martin, there's really no accountability when the liberals just peddle such blatant misinformation, is there? Well, no, there's a huge double standard, and they want to hold other people to a standard that they themselves do not follow. They're trying to bring this issue into legislation and, and try to regulate misinformation for social media companies to try to uh, tackle this. But when they are called out for something that is blatantly false, uh, it, it, it almost seems like they believe there's some vast conspiracy that they're only in on and nobody else understands. A prominent voice among Muslims opposing gender ideology in schools says she's receiving abusive messages from progressives online, but won't be silenced. Bahira Abdul Salam, an educator and Toronto mother, told True North, You cannot imagine the amount of threats, insults I'm getting just because I'm saying I want my children to be educated without gender ideology. They are trying to silence me, and they are trying to scare me. Abdul Salam currently sits on a Toronto District School Board's Parent Involvement Advisory Committee. She also ran for mayor in the 2023 mayoral by-election. Abdul Salam provided True North with several examples of hateful messages she has received in response to her opposition to gender ideology and drag shows for kids. Many include xenophobic comments telling her to go back to the country she emigrated from. Abdul Salam has also received messages targeting her Islamic faith and her decision to wear the hijab. Other users have taken it a step further by telling Abdul Salam, who is also an engineer, that they filed a complaint with the Professional Engineers Ontario licensing body. Abdul Salam says she won't be bullied or silenced by the woke left. She says after receiving hateful messages... Quote, it makes me feel more determined to continue advocating against gender ideology. Andrew, there seems to be a myth of this tolerant left, but as far as I'm concerned, a lot of the hatred uh, comes from the left, especially when it's an immigrant or somebody who is a minority pushing back against some of the progressive dogma that they so viciously hold on to. 
you're absolutely right, Cosman. And the point of this is that you cannot tolerate everybody. And this is the great delusion of the diversity is our strength mantra here, is that if you support trans rights, they're going to butt up against women's rights and sometimes gay rights. If you support religious freedom, you're also going to find that some of those religious values that people have will butt up against other rights. And at the end of the day, the government is picking and choosing and the culture is picking and choosing and the media is picking and choosing which rights matter more than others because that's the only way to reconcile these things. And in this case, we've seen the culture say that all of this stuff they preached about diversity and acceptance of Muslims over the last 20 years was complete nonsense. The second Muslims use their right and their belief system to go and criticize another group that has been labeled as being a select diverse group. And I I know it's convoluted, but the point of this is all that uh, this is inevitable and it is such that we can't just say, all right, everyone has to uh, cohabitate in this world and coexist. It's about tolerance, which means we have to decide who wins in the case of conflict. We're in early August right now, but September is just around the corner. Kids are going to be going back to school and this issue around education and school board policy seems to be picking up and becoming more relevant as we approach this school year. Do you see more pushback coming this fall? Possibly, but I I think the spring is going to be when we really have to watch out for, because this particular Pride season, we've seen a lot more tension than I've seen in recent years uh, from the groups in question. So I wonder if school boards will be a little bit more cautious as they head into uh, this time of year next year, or if they'll double down and, and put in things that basically force attendance at these things and force participation. I think we might need to wait, you know, eight, nine months to see how this mood shifts, if it does. That's it for today, and don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. And if you're able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news. Thanks for listening, and have a great day.